Hi, I'm Katrina Bronson, the writer-director of Daltrey Calhoun. And I'm Danielle Renfrew, the producer. And I'm Quentin Tarantino, the executive producer of Daltrey Calhoun. And here's our Kids in America song that opens the <laughs> movie. Think this is like 2001, I always thought, you know, it was a bone. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. our, our highly stylized opening prologue sequence. Now, uh, I have to call it. Now, all through the editing, it was um, the song was Mickey by Tony Basil. Why did it? How did it get changed to uh, Kids in America by Kim Wilde? I thought that um, Mickey was overdone, 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 and I I thought I was making a cool switch. And uh, of course, I'm doubting myself as we sit here today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were so many great songs. So we had Duran Duran in there for a while. We had it was. It was fun. Well, I wrote the whole script to music, so music is a very important part of the. And uh, Elizabeth uh, Banks. Knox? Yes, yeah. I was going to say she did have a day of roller skating practice to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, for so this scene. is my favorite part. One of my favorite parts: the cannabis plants, mm-hmm. the yes. placement of the cannabis plants. And this was all shot, um, the film was shot anamorphically. This was not, and this was all handheld. So it, it was done specifically to really set apart from the rest of the movie. And you'll see that we did a bleach bypass, so mm-hmm. the colors are really desaturated. And So this is also oh, um, the first, baby. <laughs> first two day, your first day of a first feature film, and they schedule me with babies and dogs and handheld. So that was a that was a blast for the first two days. Well, we had to, Beth we Grant. had to jump in. She's awesome, amazing, amazing character actress. Just came to her audition in that wig, and we had her and bring it with her down to Tennessee. Oh, her Tammy mm-hmm. Wynette That's wig. That's her wig. Yes. Yeah. She is so talented, and she—I mean—I see her everywhere now. Now that I know her, like she's she works nonstop in TV and film. But this is a difference of shooting in Tennessee versus L.A. Like this house, we paid for it um, by giving them that cement slab in front that Elizabeth was roller skating on. That was their payment for the, us using their house for two days. Oh, you, pa- you paved over yeah. their, mm-hmm. their dirt lawn. Exactly. and their dirt uh, that- lawn. They were really excited. <laughs> I think we gave them a couple hundred bucks or something, but it's, I mean, people were way more open to it and and excited about it than when you location scout in LA and everybody's very jaded and wants <laughs> to know how much money they're gonna make. So that wasn't there before? No, no. We, uh-huh. we that's that how s- we paid yeah. for the location. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and that and that baby was actually the niece of one of our, um, head of our transpo department. And they were, they were twins, but, uh, such cute little babies. You, we're you, not happy little... to be in that crib, though. We're not happy. They, they kept trying to escape. We had to keep yeah. calling cut because they would be crawling out of the crib. Wasn't there a story about like the you, you making the kid cry? Uh, uh... <laughs> well, Katrina's the... a cruel and unusual woman. Yeah, I mean, the kid was supposed to, to be in distress, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the parents fighting. It didn't take a lot to make the kid cry. It was mm-hmm. it t- it took a lot to keep the kid in. In the um, playpen because because she could climb out very right. easily. So in between takes, Johnny would run over and put the kid back in, and it was a yeah. But we usually always had like the kid's mom or grandma right near the 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 crib, and you'll see at some points when the the baby's yelling Nana Nana, and it kind of blends in. But 
Yeah, when, Nano's right by the camera. <laughs> yeah, when the kids, yeah, when the little baby's going, "Mama, Mama," it's yeah. not, it's not acting. It, no, right? it's 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 Mama, Mom, save me! Right get by, me yeah. away from these screaming people. Oh, yeah. and that poor chicken. Oh, it almost went, but no chickens got were harmed. Yes. We have our humane seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> like in Kill Bill, though, if you're gonna harm a chicken, do it in Mexico. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> good, good piece of advice. Yes. I can't believe you leave. My first memory is of my father's departure. So this is Sophie Sophie Traub's uh, narration, June's narration coming up right now. We have some great beauty shots coming up. I mean, shooting in Tennessee, we really wanted to take advantage of how beautiful it was, and I think this opening title sequence really shows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our Lee Hazelwood song yeah. to hear right now. This is a, just, I think, such a cool song. And very appropriate to what's happening. Oh, it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Narratively. No, I actually, I had, uh, um, when I saw the film finished, I actually hadn't heard it with this song. And uh, the first time I saw it, yeah. with uh, I'm a big Lee Hazelwood fan. When I saw it with this music, I was like, oh, my God, that's terrific. That's right. We switched mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, it yeah. was like yeah. a last-minute uh-huh. addition. Thanks very much to our music supervisors, mm-hmm. Howard Parr and Anastasia Brown, mm-hmm. who dug up some really awesome music. The music supervisor is extraordinary. Andrew Prine. There you my go. My man, yes. Andrew Prine. <laughs> James Parks, Nappy Sharp. Mm-hmm. Well, well, more about them when we get to more that. More about <laughs> yes. Casting directors. And the, these are actually shots of Oaklawn, the house that you'll see more in the movie, but this was our main location, which was the hugest coup for us. We, mm-hmm. we not only found a beautiful house, but a great man who kind of became our Tennessee godfather of the project, Ron Chef. And, and that, George Jones and Tammy Wynette formerly lived in the house, so that I mean, was just another added... How cool is that? Yeah. And this sign, the Flick sign, we could only afford to, that, that's really Ted's sporting goods. We could only afford to do one side of the sign. So hence <laughs> we shoot only that side of the store. That was, that was the big budget for signage. Right? Exactly. Flicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We always joke we gave you the really like hardcore card. Yeah. The Gestapo. I know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. See, this is also yeah, shooting yeah, in you're Columbia. Right. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the font started looking a little Nazi ish. All right. A little. Uh... Yeah. Well, it's funny because we weren't, you know, the, the country shots we were always thinking could maybe be cool for the opening credit sequence, but the, these town ones we never were thinking. They were always setting up for another shot. So you'll see the camera slightly moving and us right. like focusing, but they worked well. So this is the. This is the commercial, and I'm very, very proud of the commercial, which I now let, myself. <laughs> now let me let me ask let me ask another question. Yeah. Why did why did you decide? Because uh, I've seen this many different versions of this. All right, mm-hmm. full screen, uh, letterbox screen, mm-hmm. and now it's done as source with a little bit of a coffee cup right there. Mm-hmm. Why did you finally decide it, to make? Do because that? I wanted to establish that we were in this diner and that we were watching. As you'll see when we go around to the next shot and meet Wanda Banks, Laura Cayuette, um who's interviewing Johnny, I wanted to establish that we were in the store and they were actually watching right. the commercial there, in the diner, rather. So this is Laura Coyote as Wanda Banks. Mm-hmm. Laura was in, uh, Laura's a friend of mine, she was in uh, Kill Bill playing uh, Rocket. Yes. And definitely we, um, the, the costume designer for this, we, we used Nicole Kidman in To Die For as kind of <laughs> right. an aesthetic and I mean, she looked so great. No, this, yeah, no, yeah. She, she definitely has her... Yeah. Fuzzy charm going on in that suit. 
I love this guy. If you look straight down the middle, this is one of my favorite guys. And if you look carefully, oh, the, he's, the he's used many times as an extra. Yeah, yeah. the guy in the overalls, like <laughs> yeah, chewing tobacco. Exactly. Yeah, that right guy. There, yeah, there he is. Looking straight down the barrel. Looking right down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll see him. Well, there, there is a camera <laughs> exactly, there. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, so. Yes. Yeah. So, and they, I mean, we went back to uh, Columbia recently to do the end credit music video for the things, and they had kept Charlie Gunn's eatery sign in the window. Mm. So right now, a year later, you can uh-huh. see it's still Charlie Gunn's eatery. <laughs> well, maybe a stop on the U.S. Open. Ducktown was an enchanting town. I felt as though I'd been dropped on my ass into a whimsical town of a bygone era. So this is where uh, June and her mother come back, 14 years later, come back into Daltrey's life. Daltrey had transformed his talent for creating cannabis seed hybrids and his passion for golf. Troll. We had, yes, his that name is Troll. wrote a book and I have read it. <laughs> so this, oh, this is David Kackner right here. And all of that artwork, it was all artwork that was in the diner that we put up by by local artists. I love the folk art in there. So this was a, a scene that we worked on and kind of reworked and, and ended up using a lot of voiceover from Sophie Traub, which really was, she was so great to work with. And she, we flew her in from, from Canada to do voiceover for two days for her first movie. It was pretty... Exciting, she'd but grown we an, she'd grown yeah. an inch since we saw her the last time. And Katrina was rewriting until the moment she got there, but she totally rolled with the punches. Well, it definitely is a a, a plus when you're the, when you're a writer director and you've set up voiceover narration that yeah. <laughs> anything doesn't quite work out in the editing room. Oh, okay, I can fix that. I can fix that. Yes. <laughs> So no, this. So this is. This is so. Uh, this is magical Sophie. I call her because right. I just think she's this lovely magical mm. human being and actress. And she, uh, we had this. This random tape came in, and we uh, ran this up to you, and mm-hmm. and you said, "Get on a plane and go find this girl." We'd seen, I think, a couple hundred girls, all over, and, um, and fell in love with her. All right, stop playing now. Say hello to Mr. Calhoun. So it's been noted that uh, um, June and you are, are similar to in certain areas and stuff. What would you say about that? I would agree. Um, it's a little sad, you know, because I think you're talking about present day. Me and woman in my mid-30s is similar to June and <laughs> 14. But no, um, June, yeah, we had a lot of similarities. We see where Just... the tree became. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, Sophie, Sophie actually is a lot like June. I mean, really, you know, a, a, a pretty serious student, a reader, um, kind of lost in the world of books as a, as a child. And, and yeah, that was definitely me, a late bloomer. I mean, my 14-year-old peers at the time, you know, boyfriends, this and that. And uh, that was not me, nor, <laughs> nor Sophie in real life. Sophie, I'm sorry. Is that okay to say? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, now, but now, you know, since you've, you know, Walked a mile in her monkey high tops. All right. Uh, uh, then, how was that like a, a, a directing a character that is very that you know, especially when she was fourteen, is very autobiographical on your own experiences. Well, it, it, it just having the insight and 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 um, 
you know, having, being able to, so, Sophie knew that that was me. So she wasn't afraid to kind of make a fool of herself or be a dork and, and scenes and some of the deleted scenes of the just, and the stomping off and the 14, I mean, I would do that for her. I'd be like, you know, it's like this. And, and so when she'd see me make a fool of myself and no, she's like, okay, we're the same. We know. So did that make sense? That makes uh, all okay. the sense, yeah. This is the hardest scene, I think, for the actors in terms of it was shot out of out of context and pickups within the scene, and uh, you know. So here's a Oakland, beautiful Oakland exterior. Yeah, this is Daltrey's uh, estate. Which yes, a good forty percent of the movie takes place in. Yes, yes. But by the time we caught up with him, Calhoun Industries was secretly teetering on the brink of collapse. Well, one of the things when I visited the uh, the set was uh, Daltrey's house was a former plantation. And y'all told me, oh, and there's even a, um, a slave quarters in the in the place. And I go, really? There's a slave quarters? I've actually never been in a, not only had I never been in a plantation before, I've definitely never been in the former slave quarters before. So um, that was, that grabbed my attention right away. That's like, that's what I wanted to see. So I went down, uh, so while you guys were shooting, I found out where the room was, and I went down there, and there was all these, you know, stones, and, you know, where obviously the beds used to be and where the fireplace was, all made up of this, like, these stone rocks, and the place was fascinating, and I was actually just hanging out down there for any time I would get bored on the set, I'd just go down there and just, you know, commiserate with the, with the ghost, and I thought, well, how can you shoot in this place that has this intense room and, and not do something with it. It's really cool. So I suggest I suggested to you that you should write a scene that takes place in the slave quarters and, and you know, refer to it. And uh, then I left. <laughs> and uh, and you did, and you did. And uh, and it didn't make the cut. How come? Um, well, I wrote the scene, and um, we shot the scene, and I don't think I pulled the scene off. I don't think I, I pulled off the intent of the scene. Um, I agree with you, you know, the energy of the room and all of that, and I think that that's a, uh, a separate movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Eugene and Arlo. Eugene and Arlo. Doesn't Matthew Sharp and James Parks, and these guys are... You Amazing. You, you probably recognize them. From Kill Bill. Well, well, James Parks from Kill Bill, yeah. among other things. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. And these are uh, Daltrey's business associates. Mm -hmm. James Parks is uh, the son of uh, the terrific actor Michael Matthew Parks. Michael Parks, yeah. He, uh, he's just one of my favorite actors. He used to be on the TV show, then came Bronson, and I've used him playing the character of uh, Earl, Texas Ranger Earl McGraw twice. Once in uh, Dust Till Dawn, and then the uh, second time in Kill Bill Volume 2, which Jimmy's in as well, playing his son, Edgar McGraw, who's in two movies of mine, uh, uh, Dust Till Dawn 2 and uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. And um, he also, uh, Michael Parks also played the character Esteban Vejejo, the uh, Mexican bordello operator in uh, Kill Bill Volume 2, and he's one of the best performances of any of my movies in that role. Calhoun, Calhoun Industries. Welcome. 
every day. Long trip from Palm Springs, California. And this is uh, an Australian actor, Kick Gurry, who um, is, has come to town to, he's the renegade solution, basically, to all of Daltrey's problems and becomes June's love interest. And, and how did you find him? He, uh, he wrote me a letter. He, he read the script, and uh, he wrote a letter, and we, I filed the letter. I kind of just saved all the stuff that had come in. He's like, oh, you know, this part for an Australian actor, it would be a dream come true. But um, that part was taken, so I saved the letter. <laughs> and uh, we came back to him. Now, on the outside of uh, this story is... Uh, Edgar P. Poole's... <laughs> I uh, stole that. All right, yeah, that's Right a, from under you. Yes. But uh, I warned you I was going no, to. No, you did, you did, you did. Uh, that's a character that's been in, like, two scripts I've never finished. All right, <laughs> usually the, the autobiographical stand-in. Do you, you know, want to say what your P stands for? Yeah, Poncho. Yes. And pon yeah. Cool. Yeah. Edgar Poncho Poole. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I've... Uh, yeah, I've written two scripts I haven't finished. Mm. I've written even a book. All right, <laughs> one chapter of a book. That deals but it's with, a little. It's you know. You, it, yeah. it's, well, the thing about it, the thing I didn't even realize. Even I knew you put it in, but until I was actually what, sitting in a movie theater, I was like, you know, there's going to be this picture window shot. That no, comes no, 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 no. I knew that. I knew that. But when I was sitting in this movie theater watching the film with an audience and the screen, uh, all of a sudden it hit me. It was like, wait a minute. That guy is Edgar Poncho Poole. The old guy <laughs> is Edgar. That's like. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> right. <laughs> in his. Cool, I'm gonna grow up cool and be. And he's cool. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I still. And, it still kind of bothers me that. No. She. No, 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 no. It bothers me that she rips off the posters. Oh, oh. Yeah. You know, and you're not the. It, it's interesting because Ron Schaff again. Somebody else noticed that, and mm -hmm. and that's why we added in. Um, it's actually our editor, Dan Padgett's doing that voice because we couldn't afford to have the real guy speak. Mm -hmm. um, he says, come back, little girl, you didn't pay. But mm -hmm. that was sort of to calm down you. And um, <laughs> a couple of other well, people were like, she feel steals any, it. It doesn't make me feel any better that she's that like yeah. he's yelling after her. <laughs> but she's really, it's not her intent. To, she's just so caught up yeah. in, okay. Well, she seems to be around all the time. So I, I, I yeah. she must have paid him back. All right. Yes. She's always yeah. hanging around in front of the store. And that's her, I mean, June's a musician, so Edgar P. Pools, that's her hangout. <coughs> like, that would be... I would think. Her yeah. life when we don't, when we're not with her, that's where she is. Well, you're not a priest, Daltrey. Look, for the part of Flora, I mean, because of how this whole movie came about, we were lucky enough to basically be able to cast anybody that, that, that we wanted, unknowns, etc. And had seen a bunch of people, and... Um, I, I I said to Quentin, what do you think about Juliet? And he, from that point on, was like, if if she'll do it, I mean, there's no, no need to look elsewhere. She's mm -hmm. so good that she can pull off anything and just make it amazing. Um, and the thing is, is that she, you know, it... it, it Having her do Flora was, was something kind of different for her and have the softness mm -hmm. come out. And she just really jumped in and embraced it and, and was happy to kind of play with the softer, flirty mm -hmm. side of Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk to you about something important. What? It, it, it's a couple things, really. Uh, this was one of the biggest um, surprises of... Uh, Juliet Lewis, Juliet Lewis's performance from um, um, script to screen, mm -hmm. because I always liked the Flora character in the script. 
But I didn't love the Flora character in the script. I thought she was, you know, she was doing her job and the mm-hmm. thing, whatever. And um, but Julia Lewis just took the character. Well, and Julia, I mean, she's like you. You didn't want to call cut because mm-hmm. you want to see what she's gonna do. Look at that sky. I mean, that's a Tennessee sky. There's kick. This song. So this is the oh. song. This, yeah. this song in itself is a whole story that, basically, our um, soundtrack. I think we're the only film to have Serge Gainsbourg and Johnny Cash on one mm-hmm. soundtrack, and <laughs> a lot of it is due to um, letter writing campaigns mm-hmm. and just stopping at nothing to begging. Like this bad French song yeah. was actually, going to be in this movie. <laughs> you know what? Actually, why don't you? Um, I should expand on that a little bit because, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people when they're doing a film and they don't have that much money and everything, they just assume they can't well, afford this or it, afford that. And so sometimes yeah. they don't even try. And plus, the, even if you want to try, you have all these other people working with you that are saying, oh, don't even try. Exactly. Well, the thing is, is, is everybody had warned me. Like I said, I, I wrote the script to music. And June, as her character as a musician, is a very important part of, of the movie. And... Um, Everybody, including you, I believe, had warned me, don't fall in love with your temp music. Don't mm-hmm. fall in love with your temp music. But basically we put in, you know, everything, a wish list kind of music. And this is one of the things, it's like, why not? What do you have to lose? And I just ba- called, went through everything, told everybody I know, does anybody know anybody who knows anybody who knows any, you know, a hundred people removed from someone. And meanwhile, this was me privately then you have the music company dealing with like French Universal you know trying mm-hmm. to work that in and so I wrote a letter to um, the uh, widow of the of the Gainsbourg estate mm-hmm. Bamboo and there's a whole story of how I even got to her which mm-hmm. was a tremendous story in and of itself but but finally uh, had the information to write her a letter and sent her this clip and basically wrote a letter to, to trying to save my life to get this to get this song and mm-hmm. um, we kept hearing back and forth okay it looks good okay no okay they already gave the rights but that doesn't matter because Universal wouldn't and then you know there were many people like who had to sign off on it and it was just a and and we held this we in the final mixing this was at the 11th hour Danielle was actually in a booth trying to get you on the phone I mm-hmm. think and it mm-hmm. was like we finally got our 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 Yes, we got it. We really got it signed off. We're not going to get sued if we put it in. Mm-hmm. And it was, okay, we can mix it. It was the so last at, thing mixed in the whole movie. I would just say at the end of the day, it was really about determination. And I think Tenacity. That, uh, yeah. That's right. And everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody was not, I mean, that song had to be in the movie. And also, you know, there's creative solutions if, if, if need be. You know, yeah. if you really want to make it happen, you can ask them to do you know, deals, maybe do what what are called step deals and pay a little bit up front. But but if you we just wouldn't take no for an answer. And I think finally, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it is like there's a fine line between and I'm talking about just in the making of this movie yeah. of, of us right. of driving somebody absolutely crazy mm-hmm. and being tenacious and being respectful. Mm-hmm. But like this, this, you know, making a movie no matter what. Right. Exactly. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> and the thing that was so funny, though, is, is but yeah, the, but the song thing really goes a long way because it, it is a situation that a lot of you know uh, filmmakers find themselves in especially when they're trying to make something low budget and everything and uh, and you know everything out there is going to be no but you got to not list got to not take can, no for no, an you answer just don't. I mean, that's kind of, it's like a cliche for a reason, that don't take no for an answer, because it's mm-hmm. really true. Right. And you have nothing to lose. It's like, this is your, well, for me, 
child at that yeah. point. Like, whatever. Here, lay, the, I'm wide open. I will make myself as vulnerable as possible to go what I need for And this. what was so, uh, kind of like the phony uh, Victoria Bitter Bottle there. Uh, <laughs> Make, we, they wouldn't that. give us clearance because of minor. The, the real Victoria Bitter wouldn't give us clearance because of uh, minor uh, drinking in, in the, the movie. Yeah. But uh -huh. Tracy Gallagher once again did an amazing job with yeah. our yeah, <laughs> dummy labels. Uh, well, actually, what is the, well, actually what are the initials on it? It's not VB. I think it's BT. BT. If I remember correctly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things is uh, was a crack up was the fact that uh, at the uh, the finish on the on the uh, song thing is at the. Um, uh, premiere, I bump into no less than uh, Pat Lucas. Who? Uh, <laughs> Did she tell you I wrote a letter to her? Too? Yes. Uh -huh. oh. <laughs> and Pat Lucas was the woman who um, who had the power of the pen at EMI when I did uh, Reservoir Dogs, and I absolutely needed to have um, a stuck in the middle with you in the film that I actually needed to actually film to. Yeah. And we had a. Um, Fifteen thousand for a music budget. Wow! And um, and it all went to stuck in the middle, <laughs> which actually was even kind of a low price even then for a song that was well known that was featured as heavily as it was. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that that happened was because I had some different friends of uh, uh, Karen Rackman and uh, Stacy uh, Sher, mm -hmm. who was one of the producers on. Uh, um, millions of movies now, but th that time, uh, Fisher King, knew Pat Lucas, did, wrote these blowjob letters about me. All right, <laughs> Excellent uh, term. <laughs> yeah, perfect. No, that's the blowjob letter, all right? Wrote these great blowjob letters about me. There even was a day that Pat Lucas, uh, the, uh, uh, Karen Rackman brought Pat Lucas to the set all right, wow. and we treated her like she was like this visiting royalty, yeah. this visiting queen, and everything. All together, did like, okay, I'm gonna give you our song for nothing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she did, mm -hmm. and supported us all the way from then on there. And it was just so great to see her at the uh, yeah. at the Daltrey well, premiere, doing it, you know, doing it all over absolutely. again. Absolutely. Well, yeah. she set the. I think she was the first person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Business-wise, who enabled us to for the songs other than Je T'aime? That I mean, mm -hmm. she's really set the standard for we, us we having We don't want to get her fired or anything. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but she was, she was yeah. very helpful. She's and a good friend in court. Yes. And we love Pat Lucas. Yes. <laughs> so this was actually... Shirley, I love yeah, Shirley, Shirley. My favorite extra in the movie. Yes, we love her. <laughs> this was actually really interesting. This scene in the script came much earlier and it was never working there. Andrew and I, th yes, Andrew yes. Mm -hmm. I have to take we'll have some to credit for tenacity by yes. insisting yes. that Andrew Prine's <laughs> speech you know, not be left out well, out of was... inattention. But it actually worked so much better here attached oh, yeah. to that demonstration, but it was one of those things Katrina and I, you know, were blurry eyed, I think, from being in the edit room and Quentin came in and said, Hey, had you ever thought about moving that just after that? And it worked so well, but it was one of those things. Yeah, these are know. two different parties in the actual mm -hmm. movie, you know, before uh, not in the actual movie, in the script. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two separate events. In in very different parts of the film, but I think this works really well and and without having Andrew Prine here, mm -hmm. it, it was harder to set up how important Daltrey really was to the town, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's exactly what he accomplishes here. Yeah, that was one, yeah, that was one of my feelings, was the fact that by having, having a town character that's important, like the sheriff, mm -hmm. actually have some lines, refer to Daltrey, we get to know a little bit of Daltrey's past as far as the town is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we don't need to meet anybody else from the town. We feel like we've met the town through Andrew Prine.
A lot of people depended on Daltrey. But no one looked up to him more than Doyle. This is David Koechner. And this I actually really love. This was one of the first pieces our composer made. And I think it's before he was even officially on the movie. He he kind of, mm-hmm. he saw a cut of the movie and and gave this to Katrina, this one little piece, and we loved it so much. John Swihart, who was really, we were really lucky to have him. One of my favorite line readings of uh, this one. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's, <not. laughs> That's, That's a laugh. Oh, no, it... <laughs> In my tour of movie theaters, when it was playing, it always got a laugh. You yeah. can always guarantee that the yes, no, only we get a laugh. Yeah. You do a real nice job watering the flowers. This, for some reason, was one of the hardest locations for us to secure. It was actually a home of this couple that was, you know, not into letting us shoot here at all. And Katrina and Matt Irving, our wonderful DP, just fell in love with the Rolling Hills and thought it was so hilarious because it was kind of like a pseudo golf course. So again, we were very tenacious and kept knocking on their door saying, hey, have you rethought it? Do you think maybe we won't have to go in the house? They finally let us shoot there, but... Here's, here's Johnny uh, using his left-handed signature. Mm-hmm. He had to learn to do everything left-handed. So we're, we're, sometimes we, if we'd grab a meal out after mm-hmm. shooting, and he'd be, you know, eat with your, put your fork in your left hand. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> While also trying to write ancient wrongs of family history. You love that bloodletting line. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was lashing, laughing at the ancient wrongs of family history. <laughs> It's June. She's 14. She gets very dramatic yes, about her. Yes, no, she's... Everything is very important. Yeah, this, yeah her narration is very, very much uh, how I grew up to write the novel narration. <laughs> I want everyone to know that June is my daughter. Well, that's what you want. But I don't know if it's right for her yet. And I want to know what happened all those years. I think... This is a, a very pretty scene of Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's like a, she looks like a 1940s movie star. Mm-hmm. This is a hard, hard one for me to watch mm-hmm. because yeah. of the. Um, uh, I, I'm going to say because it is mm-hmm. the DVD talking, mm-hmm. so, but like cigarette continuity and stuff oh, like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not looking at that right now. Oh, <laughs> I've never paid attention to stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I mean, here he's talking about, you know, wanting people to know about his daughter, and that really ties into Johnny Knoxville, the, the man, because I think in real life, you know, him being a father is one of the most important things to him and a big reason of why he did this movie and why he really connected to the script. Mm-hmm. This is actually my favorite scene of uh, Elizabeth Banks' in the film. She kind of has... Um, Me too. She has a cool kind of like... Um, uh, kind of barfly uh, mm-hmm. quality mm-hmm. about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, just, again, <coughs> has the same bleach bypass that the um, prologue of the film had. Our flashbacks are, were all treated the same way. Um, so they're distinctly set apart from the rest of the movie, hopefully. It was like golf became his religion. <laughs> and the course became sacrosanct. No, this is this this kind of bums me out because I wanted you to be able to read the title of that book, which mm-hmm. which is the joy of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think you can make it out. 
And that was, I mean, again, I, I can't say enough good things about Tracy Gallagher, our production designer, because we had no money. This was like a location that we were actually thinking of just cutting and only shooting interior. Um, but that little cabin, which you'll see the inside of, you know, was totally a raw space. It was white, you know, plastic siding, mm-hmm. you know, that just had equipment in it. And she really made it seem like a sweet little cabin. I sing to him. Go to sleep, go to but sleep. But things like, I mean, this location, being on this pond, I mean, it's it's priceless. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was kind of strange that uh, almost all this stuff was right there on the property. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd literally show up and like, okay, we're going to shoot west today, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to shoot east. Well, you'll also see, I mean, so one of the things here, too, with all of our exteriors is we were shooting in the fall, and the seasons were changing right before our eyes. So you'll see, I mean, the the weather continuity, and you never knew, like, was it going to, like, this scene we kept putting off because every day we went to shoot it, it was started raining. But mm-hmm. but it was a real challenge shooting in the south at that time of year because of weather. But then there's just a texture to this place and, you know, actually shooting in Tennessee that was priceless. Can you read anything? It's a Marty Robbins song mm-hmm. here that I just love. Utah Carol, it's called, which will come back at the end in a mm-hmm. Wu-Tang Marty Robbins mashup. Yes. <laughs> and now this is um, Sophie, again, she <laughs> had to learn everything left-handed as well. So the outtakes from this scene, as you can imagine, are pretty funny. She's... Uh, which I believe are on the DVD. Yes, they are on the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's not left-handed. And this is kind of, I love this scene. This is where she talks about her whole philosophy of, of music. No, this is actually my favorite scene in the film. It was my, and it was my favorite scene in the script, too. Cool. Tammy Wynette and Missy Elliott, same. George Jones and Method Man, same. I didn't know you. Not a whole hell lot of difference between a cowboy bandit and an OG, except for that an OG. OG. Original gangsta. You want to play with me? Yeah. Okay. So the object is to catch the ball before it hits the ground. I love that he wears his cell phone on his belt. <laughs> Big that's business like... going on. A lot's at stake. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a way, to, to that's a way to look busy in a small I town. I know, I know. So what? Yeah, so what? I'm right there. Uh-oh, right something's ass. about to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that was the original. That was the original crow. <laughs> and if you look closely, all those guys were the same guys that were in Charlie Guns. <laughs> Don't know? look too closely. <laughs> this day, this was it. This day was it practically freezing. This is one of those. Smoke was coming out of yeah. people's mouths. <laughs> well, you're supposed to help me up or something. I'm, I love how awkward he is with her here, and mm-hmm. what's coming up is kind of one of my favorite little moments. <laughs> and that was one of the, like, she's the only girl in all the auditions who, like, got that line, really, the way. 
Okay, that's, this her, is, by the way, her, Mickey Raphael, <laughs> the like world's best harmonica player. Oh, don't tell him that. You've just ruined the illusion. They don't need to know that. I thought that was DVD commentary stuff. <laughs> no, that's Sophie. <laughs> okay. Well, we gave She's her that good. Well, she she did learn to play Django Reinhardt left-handed, really. Okay, so. this is the part where I can't look because I always laugh hysterically. I think it's so sweet. He's trying to impress her. <laughs> oh God. You play on the upraising like me. You have very long fingers. I remember somewhere in the process you telling me, you know, you need to, you need to, if you're going to keep this line in, you need mm -hmm. to make sure those actors have mm -hmm. long fingers. Unusually long yes. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> Unusually long fingers. Yeah. I'm not in yet. Still the final audition. Well, do you need anything special? This one was a really hard day because also Sophie's a minor, so you're you can't really shoot long hours with them, and we were down to the wire. Um, yeah, this is like a like this is like a six or seven page scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and we had to get it, and also it was supposed to start raining right after, so it was a lot of pressure on them. But I think they really pulled it off. Oh yeah, I love this scene. No thanks. Okay. You know, I've been thinking. Aren't you a little young to be in New York City all by yourself? You don't get a say. Why don't I get a say? Because it's none of your business. Oh, the, see the flag in the background was a big... <laughs> I wanted to keep the flag. Yeah, well... Or, oh. So, so things have begun to begin to disappear from his house, as you can see. Yes, <laughs> getting more and more empty, and you can hear it as well. It's sounding a little more hollow. Mm -hmm. And here, when you go into the bathroom, we're actually cheating this, and it was at a different location, but we uh, <laughs> it matches well. We were happy about that. I kind of like the but, fact that you know, after all of May's caterwauling, or you know living from hand to mouth for her whole life. It doesn't take her too long to start loving the good life. Uh, she's reading books and bubble baths, smoking away, not a care in the May, world. May would always be reading in the bath. It's just that this is a nicer bath. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I agree with that. It's just, you know, she really is she's taken to it. She's taken to the good life, yes. like, without any, any, any pain. No doubt she's filled that tub up about like three times during this bath stay alone. Yes. Oh, well, this was, I felt bad for her. She was like sitting in a lukewarm bath and we kept having to be like, oh, put more bubbles over her boobs. We're catching boob. <laughs> she was a very, you know. very good sport about this yeah. scene. This I love, nice love music. the music. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, this was, John really knocked this one out of the park too. Here. That was actually a really hard shot to get because the bathroom was so small and I think we had the boom Big and probably boom like nine out of the ten takes mm -hmm. or whatever it was. 
and it was actually near kind of a busy street too, so it, there was a lot of traffic to contend with. I love this scene. I think there's tender, nice stuff going on here. And you guys did a really good job in the um, the editing of um, just deciding when to have uh, the May character soften up. Mm-hmm. That became She's... an issue in longer cuts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And you guys eventually found just the right uh, the, the, the right the right balance mm-hmm. of her being hard and and soft. And when she starts to yeah. soften up, yeah. This is actually this, this French band that's not French. They're faux French. Listen, I'm probably going to butcher it. Listen, culotte. But we tried so many different types of music there. We had some really cool Wu-Tang there for a little while. but Johnny then. Cigarette. <laughs> and Todd yeah. King. That's our line producer that we made him go on the poster. That's supposed to be uh, Heath Ledger, right? Yeah, initially it was Heath Ledger, but then we, we couldn't get the rights, and, and she says something disparaging about him. So, But this is one thing we had Which, to sacrifice. Which, by the way, you can actually do. You guys didn't have to well, look that up because he's a he's a public figure. You well, can... that, talk to your attorney. That wasn't why <laughs> we were told we had to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is this is well, one sacrifice. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> one sacrifice we had to make here because we were right on the brink of getting PG-13 was there was a line here when she said soft cock, and apparently the MPAA hates the word cock. You could have people dying in movies and blood everywhere, but if you say the word cock, you're definitely an R, and so we had to that was a we had to tough, use another tough, word. Oh, tough thing for me to swallow. Yeah, oh. I didn't. I I thought this so it wasn't should the, be an R. So it wasn't the heat. So it wasn't the heat. No, it was thing. a PG thirteen versus R. And yeah. we well, were, I have to. I have to say, I, I I don't think this should be an R. This is a movie for young girls. Well, that's what we had to cut. You know, it was very painful because there was we had three By cocks. The way, all we gonna... had three cocks we had to yeah, cut. Yeah. But it, it was worth it at the end of the day because if you know, it is a mo- people like Sophie. She's not. We mm-hmm. need her to be able to come to the movie. No, mm-hmm. I agree. No, look. By the way, you know, cut to when it comes out on DVD and video and cable. You know, yeah, everyone's gonna see it no matter what the rating is. You yeah. know, yeah. hence. Little kids coming up to me tell me how great Kill Bill is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and their parents like, "Oh, it's Billy's favorite movie." That's excellent. <laughs> I, I agree. But yeah, no, no, no. It's like no. No, you, this is a, this is you know, this is a perfect movie for a young girl. Yeah. I'm too skinny, and I've got no ass. And boys, they uh, like one of the things that I responded to in reading the script was was the dialogue. Your dialogue was is, is very well written. Has a really good Southern vernacular and its use of the, the use of the vernacular and the and the adjectives and stuff and the, that that rhythm. And but the thing that really impressed me and impressed me with the the short film that you wrote that was the first thing we worked. Yeah, first thing we worked on again um, was how well you wrote guys. You wrote you wrote really you write you know you write really you know, really good dialogue, really good guy dialogue for a gal. Thank you. I think you write excellent female dialogue. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, but Danielle, uh, uh, what attracted you to the script when you read it? Well, um, a lot of things. I mean, first of all, you gave me the script, so the fact of working with you I was really intrigued by and thought could be very interesting. But, but lo and behold, I had known Katrina, and you didn't know that, I think. You were... Mm. Quentin did a little a little setup with us, thinking I would be a good match of a producer for her. Lo and behold, I've known Katrina for a long time, 
And I'd been hearing about the script. That was what was driving me crazy because I had never read it. And we had, we have the same lawyer or different people in our lives that are the same. And I've always been hearing about Katrina wrote this amazing script, and and she there's all this heat on it and all you know ups and downs. And so when I read the script, I was and I was in prep on another movie, so I was super stressed out and and I could not put it down. And I always joke with Katrina because I feel like we're both you know mid-30 women stuck in, you know, the, the brains of 14-year-old girls or something. I'm not quite saying that right. But June is I, – I felt so connected to her story and her being a 14-year-old girl and the goofiness and, the, and trying to figure out, grapple with who you are and where you fit in and how do you make a family, you know. And, and I connected to it maybe because I also come from kind of a makeshift family and I felt like there was a real sweetness to it there of how June kind of navigated this world and, and, and brought all these people into her life. But I also loved the humor of the script, too, because it had a real heart, but it was also really funny. So, I mean, I have to say, I felt like I hit the jackpot. <laughs> Self nothing while denying us most everything. Here we are back to, to Beth Grant, one of my favorite actresses ever, and this, we're back with our bleach mm-hmm. bypass flashback. You might remember Beth Grant in uh, as the... Uh, the nervous woman who gets blown up in speed. Yeah. She's the, the nervous old lady who's actually the only person to die in speed. Wow. I mean, on the bus. She was also, I saw her recently, I rented Donnie Darko. She's in that. She's, um, she's been in everything. So these, you, you really can read the titles of the yeah. books, which makes me very happy. It's Phantom Toll. <laughs> So. Now, is this pretty much a good uh, a good collection of uh, uh, the films, the books that uh, Katrina, uh, the young Katrina read? Absolutely. Especially the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's To Kill a Mockingbird, which actually played a big part in Katrina's mm-hmm. development. Coming of age. Is there any book she reads that you haven't read that was just no, put in there? No, this is GH. Absolutely not. Every single book in here I've read. I was this, was this a semi- seminal book uh, for you? Yeah, because these are all, I mean, she's very curious about her sexuality. Yeah, uh-huh, you hear, uh-huh. ooh, topic of it. What to me people haven't commented on that cracks me up is the fact that her mom allows her to read right, yeah. these uh, books, right. which I think is really cool, you know. Yeah, like the Kama- illustrated Kama Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of actually like the idea of uh, the Sophie eating buttered bread while she's go. looking at a 69. <laughs> 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 this is a movie for young girls. We're talking PG-13, I remember. <laughs> it's it. I'm serious. It's, yeah. it's, and we yeah, have, I, I have to love the cheesy, awful See, uh, you're faux... Put, you're uh, <laughs> Bad where, News Bears yeah. poster. Right. In, interesting. No stuff. one will ever know that's a Bad News Bears poster unless I say it. I no, mean. no, no, no. Yes, I agree. no. That, but, but again, like we were up against uh, Paramount was all over our ass because they were gonna put out the remake that we could not get rights to anything, and they mm-hmm. knew about it because we had to clear. Or it's my job with, and it sounds like you don't agree, but like to make sure that everything's cleared, all the oh. images and all the books, and the actually the Giving Tree was one book. Wasn't that the book that they wouldn't let us use, Katrina? Which was so surprising. Yeah, yeah but, mm-hmm. um, but... Well, it actually would make sense that they wouldn't let you use yeah. the uh, uh, Bad News Bears poster because yeah. actually it's a, it's a very famous drawing. Mm-hmm. Jack Davis is yeah. a really famous uh, uh, illustrator. Yeah. yeah. At one point we did want to try to find Richard Linklater and beg yeah. or someone, you know. it would good publicity for it, their upcoming actually, movie, the frankly. Thing is, you know, what might actually might have been... It's Charlotte's Web. But. What actually might have been, actually might have been the case is the, is the fact that maybe Paramount didn't even own 
Jack Davis's artwork. Oh. All right, and so they just gave you a no because. Mm-hmm. Well, we tried they couldn't to say go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, which is part of the thing. Sometimes, you know, companies don't have the rights, and very rarely do they say, "Oh, by the way, we don't have it." They just say no. no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one we pushed hard on because it was something that was like of sentimental value to Katrina, and yeah. I knew to you too. But they were hardcore on that one. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting in your case for not having the real <laughs> poster there, but. We had to have something, even the, if it's just the three of us in this room that yeah, know what the, it is. The cheesy one with the vague, vaguely Walter Matthau guy in there. <laughs> Doyle's art project from when the movie came out. <laughs> this is this is one of my favorite scenes too. Katrina, I, do you want to talk a little I bit will. about this, this one? A, this was a very specific, I mean, we shotlisted this, Matt, Matt Irving, the, this was going back to like being on the lot and every time we got um, pushed a little bit due to Kill Bill, thank God we kept getting pushed because we, we mm-hmm. had more and more time to shotlist. So we did, um, this, this actually was one of the things that really didn't change very much on the day. It was pretty specific and kind of complicated um and i love it because i just i feel like there's this mysterious mm-hmm. f- subtle thing going back and forth between the two women and and we get it i love that i actually love this shot yeah what's the name there's there's a jackalope. what is that the that jack- is a jackalope okay that's yeah. a jackalope what the jackalope will be featured again you well. actually you actually mentioned <laughs> you had told me what it was and even now i was like forgot about it i go is that a rodent with deer horns <laughs> And this, uh, this was an, an awesome find. The store was, it was mm-hmm. pretty dressed. It was pretty as is. My husband, he had the same, same cheeks and the, um, the dark circles. He went. Matt Irving, um, my DP, would come to the lot, the old, the old Warner Hollywood lot. Uh, I think like. Up to three months ahead, we kept getting pushed. And so that gave us the opportunity to do this shot list, which I consider, I mean, I, I think w- what we started out with, this movie, it just, it looks so much more than the money that we have. You, you know, it's just beautiful. And we campaigned for this anamorphic lens. And and um, he he sort of, Matt had never shot anamorphic before. And, and when I met him, I said, look, this is really what I want to do. And I'm being told, no, no, you know, first time filmmaker, stay away from it. But here's why. And he got it. And we just, you know, basically bugged the crap out of Danielle, who in turn bugged the crap out of you. And I think have this beautiful looking movie that looks like a fable and mm. and. I love Matt Irving. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and he also let me, I mean, I was smack up next to him the whole time. And, and Liz, our focus puller, I'm not a fan of Video Village. And I was like, hey, guys, dolly riding me cam- next to the camera, all that. And, you know, that, that was, it's very close proximity. And to, to have that kind of relationship was really, really good. This is the this is the scene where like old men have come up and then you really mm-hmm. got me in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is like, <laughs> which is nice. And they match up as a uh, mother and daughter mm-hmm. here in this scene very good. Don't stop playing, baby. I love your playing. And initially, I mean, this scene was much longer and they talked a lot more, but we found 
they gave such strong performances you didn't need it mm-hmm. you know you just so wanted powerful. to like spend time with them but they didn't have to talk saying goodbye to someone you love is impossible it's much easier to say see you later maybe in heaven it was really funny that you know the first night that uh, Sophie had flown into Tennessee probably the day before that Elizabeth Banks got there. And and she showed up, Elizabeth showed up at the hotel, and we introduced her to Sophie. And she it didn't register at first that this was Sophie who was going to play June in the movie. And when we told Elizabeth that, her jaw dropped because Sophie was about two feet taller than her. And, and uh, it took Elizabeth a little while to, re- you know, to come to terms with this is the girl that was going to play her daughter. <laughs> Are you real sad? Get out. I love this this scene because this is such a kid. You know, it's a, it's a sad, sentimental mm-hmm. thing, but she just tells it like it is. She's like, "You suck. You sound like shit." Yeah, right. And I love that because it's the, she's mourning, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. You know. And actually, it was it was. Um, First of all, this room was about 90 degrees, so they were both dripping with sweat. But I was sitting in the hallway with Sophie's mother watching this on the monitor, and it was so painful for her because she's watching her daughter do this. And Sophie was really bawling Mm -hmm. at certain points, and her mom just so wanted to run in there and, like, Mm -hmm. comfort her. But she's like, but it's a movie, but it's not real, but she's so sad. It was was really, um, really hard for her. her (laughs) I listened to the tapes. And I do my phonics. Listen. Char. Charlie. You suck. You sound like shit. I love that she takes to her bed and she still has her glasses. (laughs) And if you saw Katrina right now, you'd see her glasses. (laughs) Which she never takes off. Yeah, I know. I like the fact that she says, "You suck. You sound like shit." Mm-hmm. It's like, Again, cracks people up. Yeah. <laughs> David Keckner made me cry in the audition. He he, I believe, came up through Second City, started as a comedian, and did a stint on um, Saturday Night Live, and. It's Which I, on the Saturday Night Live, I was the host of. He was right. a member of the cast at that time. Right. And he just, you know, came in and kind of blew us all away. Now he's in every other comedy movie yes, uh, release. <laughs> this was um, in uh, one of David Koechner's audition scenes. And um, when he left, I was just like, Wah. No, let me, let me ask uh, y'all a question because uh, you decided on David Koechner and he was. He's terrific in the film. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, I remember correctly, you don't have to mention his name, but uh, there was there was an, uh, another actor, and mm-hmm. you guys were looking at two actors in particular, David and another guy, and they both went kind of really different ways mm-hmm. with the character. What made you all decide to go I, with David? I thought that David's vulnerability was just... He, t- it, it, he made it real. You know, as opposed to, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tight rope, the part of Doyle. And but I felt like David's take on it was much sweeter, and that's for some reason Katrina wanted to go sweeter. This other guy was mm-hmm. a bit more edgy, who's mm-hmm. a fabulous actor, and I've mm-hmm. actually done two movies with him and really love him. But, but David brought a certain sweetness, and he also has kids, and somehow, 
that might have affected his performance. Or I mean, well, he, got physicality- he got Katrina balling. He got Katrina balling in the audition, cry, basically. But the physicality of both of the the actors and, and the part who's supposed to be a really big guy, mm-hmm. and that can be scary and mm-hmm. intimidating. It could it slightly go the wrong way mm-hmm. with a little girl and a big mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that David, there was a you know a sweetness right and this is actually this performance by johnny knoxville i think is one is one of his most subtle and really moving and honest um this was juliet's last day where she wrapped up this day too well do you talk to anyone about this yeah the scene turns more comedic but i think for him he was really nervous about this day i felt Mm -hmm. like i mean because he had the you know all the kind of sex stuff but also it was really he had to be real vulnerable yeah and well it's it's only now that the audience realizes that uh uh people don't know that uh uh daltry is is uh yeah uh, that daltry has actually been pulling off his ruse Mm -hmm, that the mm -hmm. town knows that the place is in trouble but doesn't know that he's like the extent of it yeah that he's like the house could go yeah in a a second Mm -hmm. that's actually one of my favorite lines I don't know how much I don't, uh, one of my favorite lines is in that is in this scene. I don't know how much an audience gets it because I don't know if they really know who Arlo and Eugene is by name, even though they are they introduce themselves in the movie. It's one of those things that mm-hmm. doesn't stay. But I actually think one of the best lines in the movie is because uh, well, yeah, me and Arlo and Eugene we're we're trying to keep it together, and then she goes, "Well, do you talk to anybody about this?" Yeah, I talked to Arlo, Arlo. and Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh. I talked to the guys who were overseeing the bankruptcy about my bankruptcy. It's just setting her straight. <laughs> so this scene initially in, in editing had kind of a different button on the ending. It was more comedic. It was more like there was a joke about about Daltrey being a premature ejaculator. <laughs> but then we found like it didn't quite – we wanted to go back to the more emotional yeah. beat with June. But – I mean, that's one thing I love about Katrina's writing. Like, in the same scene, you can have something so moving and someone so vulnerable, and then it it can be hilarious. Kudos to the uh, costume designer on uh, on, uh, uh, all of Juliet's uh, outfits from here on in. Absolutely. These little argyle sweaters are so cool on her, and she wears them so good. That's called good sweater meat. Yeah, there's a a green one coming up (laughs) in particular. (laughs) Minka Draper, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a wonderful name for a costume designer. (laughs) I would agree. Mm -hmm. Watch what Johnny does with his hand in his face in a minute after Sophie comes Mm -hmm. in and... He doesn't, love, he doesn't know if he's been caught or not. Yeah, yeah. I love Sophie's, you know, uh, uh, sleepwalking zombie. Just comes but down to get. That's what you know. No, I know, no, no, I know. But I, I love the, you know, just comes, you know, leaves her room long enough to uh, grab a soda and a bite, go back upstairs. Yeah. Well, she's not going upstairs. Yeah, she's go. going outside. Now this was an interesting night. <laughs> Do you remember shooting this? This was this was uh, actually the last night. This was. Sophie turned 15 on this night. Uh, I think the Red Sox won the World Series. Like everyone was and listening to the World Series total game. lunar an eclipse. eclipse. Yeah. And um, Griffin Electric was sh- chanting <laughs> "MOS, MOS," because we. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of tension on the set between the sound department and the other mm-hmm. departments. But um, 
we always knew this would. I mean, we wanted production sound, obviously, but and if I'm not mistaken, I think this might be the only car mount scene in the whole movie. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. We well, no, well, for if the scene we cut the, the cutting accident, what we cut, yeah. oh, okay, doesn't um, count. Yeah, <laughs> but lighting that house was actually uh, quite a feat, and there was so much fog that night. So that we looks great. England. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought a still from here would have been a really mm-hmm. good poster. You know, one of the things that's uh, really great about Johnny in this film is the fact that he is a really good comedian. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, he's just always, not in a reflex thing, but just he's, you know, if ever there's a funny bit of business yeah, his- he can put into a scene, you know, he'll he'll try. So you're going to call social services on me or what? What? And, uh, and Johnny did such a good job with this. And uh, we got, like, pretty friendly you know, during the uh, making of it, <laughs> the, the parting and the celebrating of it. <laughs> the celebrating of it. <laughs> the celebrating of it. <laughs> <laughs> the moonshine of yeah, it. Yeah, by, uh, by Bermuda Triangle, uh, <laughs> Tennessee visit when I just went missing for two Quentin days. I went MIA for 48 hours with his moonshine at the Jameson. And are we allowed to talk about that? Oh, we or? can talk about that. I think you just did. <laughs> it's a mystical experience. I had a very mystical experience. It was very Carlos Castaneda. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the Columbia. The Jameson. Inn in Columbia. The Jameson Inn in Columbia, and Tennessee. And you didn't even have Applebee's delivered. You were so MIA. Yes, I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people were knocking on the door, and I'm, I'm all good, guys. See you later. Uh, <laughs> I actually remember uh, the actually coming on the set the day I'm going to leave. And you're like, Quentin, are you okay? And I go, I actually had one of the most mind-bending experiences of my life. You're too busy right now, but I'll when the film's over, I'll it. tell you about it someday. Yeah, right. I remember that. So weren't you supposed to be talking about Johnny Knoxville? Yes. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was. Were you Moonshine, in the room Johnny. With Johnny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, he's a uh, um, uh, he's in a part in a, in a film that I'm uh, executive producing right now uh, called Killshot, based on an Elmer Leonard novel, and he's got a role in that one as well, and he's going to do a fantastic job. This is Skeeter Davis, and she, um, I think she died our f- first day of filming. So oh, yeah, that, that's actually Tennessee. That, that makes sense, yeah. Go on singing. Hey. Remember the first time I heard the song, and they were like, hey, didn't she just die this mm. year? And you were like, yeah, yeah as a matter of fact. <laughs> our, our editor actually had really good musical taste, and he was there for that day, and, and, was kind of inspired by that and brought in some of our music. That's one thing, too, I love so much about the movie is the eclectic soundtrack. Mm -hmm. No, the soundtrack's terrific. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes. This is lonely June, looking at all of them. Everybody else has somebody. Yeah. Those were these cute little skateboarder guys who like kept coming up to Johnny trying to get his his autograph, and mm-hmm. then one day I said, "Hey, do you guys want to actually be in the movie?" <laughs> and they were really excited about it. And this couple right here, yeah. they were very excited. They were not a couple in real life, so this guy <laughs> was, was very yeah. happy. Yeah, so he's just totally uh, <laughs> yeah pimping it. Yeah. 
I love this so much. I know something's about to come up where where you want her to get run over. But. Oh yeah. I, well, I just, and my one of my most emotional. I know. I just, every time I've seen the film, I just like you know, put my own like transfer trailer truck that just drives by and plows her over, <laughs> going Great. from uh, right right to left. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that would be a, a short. <laughs> and then tragedy struck. I think this is coming up is. I I don't even think I can talk during this scene because I think this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. So I. Well, this you know Sophie had never been drunk before, for, mm-hmm. so for her to act uh-huh. drunk, she was really nervous about it, and she talked to Juliet for a long time beforehand, who gave her all these <laughs> yeah, pointers. There you go. That's, you, <laughs> yeah, you put her. You put her with the no, with the expert. <laughs> no, no, I made it sound worse. Um, but I think she did a great job. She was very nervous about the scene. Yeah, and this was another and then night. Katrina started feeding her uh, Jägermeister in between shots, <laughs> and then bam. I think you Go wanted figure. to, and I put the kibosh on it. Here's a but, little moment that we added in post that I love, where because she's a little buzzed, she accidentally turns it down. Uh, yeah. And she's like, well, actually, and then like, yeah. oops, and turn. Well, her playing just a nanosecond of on the harmonica is my favorite. Is yes. my favorite part. Yeah. I wish we did it more. Yeah. And me too. <laughs> and it's like, it's like she would have like you know, my top five favorite moments of the entire movie is that little thing. I love it. I love it. And I love his dancing. I remember that night, Kit came up to you, Katrina, and was like, "I have an idea. What if, what if I started dancing?" And, oh, I remember and you're them like, dancing yeah. at, together at, at, at Hux, Hux at yeah. Hux, talking about this scene. Yeah. Oh God. And this was one of those nights that went. We were Hux going a, so late. Yeah. Okay. Hux was Hux is a, this really cool uh, uh, divey bar that's uh, in the city of Tennessee. What, what's but if it? they Columbia. like you in Colombia, if they yeah, like Columbia. you, they'll invite you for some moonshine. But otherwise, it's just beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they liked my, Quentin. Yes, they like me. <laughs> I still have my keychain. I would yeah. carry around proudly. But the thing about her, um, uh, uh, playing those just that one little two little notes from this song is one of those cool things that I just I wish we had realized how cool that it, was a character trait not even just on the I mean she could have done it through different parts of the movie just I picked agree. up the right. just picked up the thing and just played whatever song you know played it with every with the song you know mm-hmm. and it's just a cool little character trait and there's also something kind of wonderful about the fact that uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> I know where you're going <laughs> Where are you going? Yes, Where are no. you going? Can I go there? And by the way, uh-huh. you can because when I say, so, I mean, I put that in your, that's your. Okay. So what I'm referring to is the fact that. The character harmonica. Yes. is uh, uh, She plays harmonica in the, uh, and there's a very famous uh, character in a uh, Western film uh, named, uh, who's known as harmonica, played by Charles Bronson in the Sergio Leone masterpiece, Once Upon a Time in the West. And that actor, Charles Bronson, just happens to be Katrina's pop. And that was one of the inspirations for June playing harmonica. <laughs> yes. And of all, and and uh, and uh, I think Rider in the Rain aside, uh, that's your favorite performance, but uh, and your favorite character by your father. Yes. Although there's something about hearing him say, "All right, love, love." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Katrina has a dog named Love, Love, right, who yeah. is thanked in the credits. Yes. <laughs> you weren't supposed to give that away because people think Love, Love is like a really cool rapper. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Love, Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now that was yeah. on the DVD. L U V L U V. L U V hyphen L U V AKA L squared. Yeah. <laughs> Tongs. I mean, I'd never even pecked a boy. Well, that's all very exciting in your future, June. And this was a real hard one for them because we weren't getting coverage on this. You know, this was all one one take. And, you know. As it should have been, though. I mean, I. Well, no, 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 I agree. But I'm just saying, you know, uh, also we're a real low budget movie. We shot 27 days and, you know, we can't just keep Mm -hmm. doing take after take. So there's always that pressure of like, you know, we only have so much film allotted for today. You guys better get it. But, but I think, I think they that, really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and I, I think that particular the moment mm-hmm. and them on the, uh, the stairs needed to stand. Dumbass, dumbass, dumbass. How could I ever think that you would kiss me or take my virginity? June, there was no mention of virginity. You said kiss. I said I didn't even want to do that. Absolutely. And this was really Sophie's first movie. I mean, she shot for half a day where she didn't have any words. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it was used in the interpreter. But, I mean, she... You know, for her first movie to, you know, yeah. be the main character is pretty hardcore. She really and stepped she, up to the plate. And, and she does a great job, you know, yeah. being the lead of the picture. Yeah. And, as Johnny. We, and as we were all hanging out, going to Huck's afterwards, she had to do homework. Yeah. I mean, because she's only 14, so she had a set teacher. And so she, she had re- a couple good nights at Huck's. Well, <laughs> I'm saying she did. She didn't, you know, nothing illegal. But, but. You know, she was working her butt off. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, I was thinking, wait yeah. a minute, she was at the bar too, wasn't Just she? Just that night when you came into town, but she wasn't a local there. Oh, they're going to shut it down now, you guys. They're going to shut it down. I seem uh, to remember her okay. dancing to the jukebox in the bar, but maybe that was just me. That was one night. I think you're probably right. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I no, this no. is like my favorite shot in the whole movie. I've never been so happy to see someone puke. I you mean, know, it's so this sweet. is actually probably my favorite shot in the whole movie. Yeah. This too. is this is and, and interesting because this is one of the songs from the original dog year, like while writing yeah, list uh-huh, of right. wish list. And I just think he's so tender here. There's uh-huh. something so sweet about it. It just gets me every time. And this was one of those songs, too, where we had it, and it was our temp, and I was like, we are going to get this come hell or high water. Hey, you know, a boyfriend who holds your hair as you puke, that's 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 a fine, <laughs> all right? When your dad holds your hair as you puke, that's like, wow, I was... I won, the, I, I won the dad lottery. <laughs> I love this. Too. Uh, there's, my, there's the green uh, sweater I like so much. <laughs> yeah. Green argyle. <laughs> I get another one in the big glass. <laughs> yeah. And we get like full on Juliet uh, flirty body language. Mm-hmm. Her girly yeah. body language is is half her character. Yeah, she she has these. I call them her her flora flourishes. Yeah, like she does her little shoulder lift or her little look over her. And when, you know, when I was saying before, it wasn't that I didn't it wasn't that I didn't care for the character flora in the script. It's just in the script she didn't dominate the second half of mm-hmm, the piece. Mm-hmm. She was what she was. And then with Juliet's interpretation of it and her playing it, it's like she's one of the stars in the movie. Yeah. She dominates the second half of it in a great way. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's the floor flourish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the first night um, that she got to Tennessee and we did a table read. Mm-hmm. And she had actually been working out right before. Her hair was wet. She was wearing mm-hmm. sweatpants and a T-shirt. 
And she went right into Flora. It was like, it was unbelievable. Everybody couldn't take their eyes off of her. And and you know, she just became that, you know, even in her sweatpants, she yeah. was Flora Flick, you know? You know, I actually think one of the things is, uh, um, I think in the script I always read Flora as being older. Now, I don't think that's you, what you intended Mm-mm. because I would bring up actresses and you go, oh, I think they might be a little too old. Yeah. And actually, we, I don't think we ever even verbalized it, but I think that actually that was one of the things. Is I think I always just saw her as just a little older. You know, it's, that's interesting. You're right. Because we mm-hmm. didn't ever say that that's what it was, but you would say, you're like, this persistent. And I was like, mm. I wasn't thinking that, but yeah. wait, but I never said I hadn't yeah. even put it together until just now yeah. that we were on different pages mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay, now he's going to use a little... I, I Ebonics know. here. You that, should talk about that. Yeah, well. <laughs> you want cut? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a friend uh, uh, who's also a friend of Danielle's. All right, uh, uh, Danielle produced a film called um, uh, Double Dare and uh, starring um, the uh, New Zealand stunt lady, Zoe Bell. And I worked with Zoe Bell and Kill Bill, and from time to time she would use Ebonics, <laughs> Kiwi accent, and it was very, very funny. And I started doing it. And uh, can you do it right now? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and um, you should have done an accent for this entire commentary. Uh, you have yes, like a, a flawless accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so the thing is, uh, it's like some of those things, like, like uh, that's what I'm talking about. I can't even say it without saying it in an Australian accent now. And uh, when, when I was visiting the set and we were all drinking at Huck's, um, uh, which, by the way, we're, which, by the way, yeah, 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 with Sophie drinking moonshine no, with the 14 year old no, no. at Huck's. Not true, not true. After, after an 18 hour day. Yeah, no. after an 18 hour day. Yeah, exactly. Okay, to Carolee Larson, no her mother, right now, just so you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, if. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a strip club, yeah. no less. So, yeah. all right, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I know. I was like, <laughs> Sophie's got some work, ethic, work yeah. ethic, man. I know. <laughs> After 18 hours and entertaining the customers, I, oh, I, I, like, I couldn't have done it. Stop. I'm hurting. <laughs> I, I asked Danielle, I was like, is this okay? And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm gonna what happens in Tennessee stays, stays in Tennessee. <laughs> Her 21-year-old boyfriend came to visit. No, no. <laughs> totally untrue. Hey, there's the Edgar Pancho Pool. Yes. No. <laughs> that's not Edgar Pancho no. Pool. No. Who is that? No. That's actually Harold, who was one of our Teamsters. Oh. Yeah. And it was, no. it, this is like a random assignment. I, mean, I wish I he hadn't looks, said something. I thought clo- it was Edgar Pancho Well, oh, he looks character. He looks very close to, to he looks like Edgar Pancho Pool. This this actually we shot in two different days the the two shot of them and then the the these the singles we shot on a different day because mm-hmm. we were so under the gun and we couldn't get the singles and we just thought we could cut without it and and luckily we were able to go back and get the singles because I think it would have been really sad to do it all in a two shot and it was raining on the day so we mm-hmm. had tents over them but I think we were able to color time it so it matched pretty well so. <laughs> alligator shirt. Yeah. Do they still make She's those? A yes. <laughs> yes. They're, they're very one in every color. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I I wanted her to have that kind of a thing. It's it's her yeah. uniform. Flora has uniforms. Oh yeah, yeah. You uh-huh. know her. She has her more feminine uniforms, mm-hmm. but that's her. No, that's a perfect. That's yeah. a perfect working behind the counter, uniform shirt. That's not a uniform. Yeah. 
and the C.I. lien would go to Warco Bank, which Eugene's been... It's almost fixed. Eugene's been... My negotiation. We knocked These guys on... just make me smile every yeah. time mm -hmm. Matthew and James come on. We knocked on neighbors' doors because we realized we wanted to give them something to do and we wanted a flask. Mm -hmm. So we just got one from the, from the neighbor right before we started shooting. My proposal that uh, will be accepted on the precedent that CI was tremendously profitable at one point. Cash cow. It simply needs to be under better management. Love Should I break house. the illusion? Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, well, that you can. Okay. That, was, that was Sophie's stand-in because it was too late at night. Mm -hmm. the, the cute girl who walks away that uh, no, Kate Curry uh -huh. notices. Johnny and it's supposed to be Daltrey, mm -hmm. better better times yeah. when he first first got his house. Who's Adam Kramer? He was a realtor in Columbia. This, mm -hmm. They had a, a, a sign graveyard where they mm -hmm. had all these. Well, you got a you actually got a well, you didn't get a sign from the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is like a how nice and welcoming the people in this town were. We drove by this house and it was so picture perfect and we knew that Flora would live in a house that was just done to the nines, you know? And of course our locations woman knew everybody in town and she introduced us to um, this woman. We, we nicknamed her Flora Kate. Now I don't even know what her real name is, but this was all of her stuff. This is what her house looked like. We, we didn't have to do anything to it basically. And I mean, if we were to build this or you know to dress something like this, it would have cost tens of thousands of dollars. And she just invited us into her home and you know, and she didn't even hate us afterwards. I was sure that, you know, we were taking over because she was a little naive and didn't realize. But she was a really, well, her husband was really cool and was actually a golf pro and was the one who taught Johnny how to play golf. Oh, really? So, was he not? No, he was. Yeah, Katrina's Flora telling me Kate's, I got it wrong. Yes. Two, not Flora Kate's husband. Yeah. Not Flora Kate's husband. It was the guy uh, who owned the... <clears throat> I'll oh, show you when we get okay, to the, well, now, the, now, yeah, now I'm going to start gossip in, in Columbia because yeah. I saw them hanging out. I, I don't know. <laughs> Those aren't really Sophie's The feet. Converse are very, very important to me, too. Those, she has her one pair of Converse to the whole But this was a stressful night because we we had we were down for so long because of the generator, and Sophie's dad, her mom came with her to set, but her dad was still up in Toronto, and he came down for maybe two days to hang out and see what it was like. And it was this night, and we were running so late, and I was so worried he was gonna have a hard time with it. But her parents were so cool and so supportive of us in the movie, and they kind of you know took Katrina and I under their wing a little bit, but. Um, it was interesting. Her dad is a sound recordist, mm -hmm. so he didn't even want to look at the monitor or anything. He just wanted headphones. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I know. He, 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 that's how he enjoyed it. I like how Flora just accepts the, yeah, I know. the saliva with the I've always liked that, too. Yeah. I always thought it. that was cool. Yeah. And I like the way she, I like the way, uh, and I like the way Sophie looks in this. Uh, yeah. I like everything about this scene. 
She's so tall. There, I feel like we have Juliet up on an apple box, actually. I watch when she goes over and she can't see herself. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look really closely, well, well, we can see you watching the scene. No, no, no. I just love in the mirror in the back you see Juliet. I, I don't know. Oh, I love yeah. it. Flora watching her oh. in that. Gosh, if you could see me in the background, that would not be a good thing. <laughs> I wouldn't be pointing that out. <laughs> Look really closely in the mirror. You yeah, can see a fat no. grip holding a flag. <laughs> see, there's the crack of his ass. You can barely make it out. He's sticking out of his back of his pants. <laughs> I, I, and I don't know if people can see in the DVD, but the necklace that June wears out is her, was her mother's necklace. So she, mm-hmm. after the mom dies, she ha- wears that for the rest of the movie. Well, it's funny because um, it's also kind of uh, weird. Actually, Uma said she had the same problem with uh, Kill Bill. Was I remember the script so well that from time to time, I'll forget that this line's not in the movie, mm-hmm. or this. You, you know what I mean? You yeah. just remember things, and sometimes they, you know, you know, either didn't make it the cut, yeah. or or you never shot it in the first place. But I have memories of it. One of the memories I have is in May's scene when she gets the necklace. She goes, "Why are you wasting your money on the? Uh, That's, yeah, yeah. Why are you wasting your money on this stuff? I, you, know, June, better get this when I die. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not give it to some floozy." Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, it shouldn't go to some floozy. Yeah, shouldn't go to this floozy. Make sure it doesn't go to a floozy. It's some floozy. Yeah, yeah, I love that line. <laughs> and while all of us were regathering our strength and redoubling our efforts, Daltrey had all but given up. So oh, there's is, my there's there's that dog, that's your dog portrait. That's one of my favorite things. And one of her great lines is coming out. And what about you getting your life back together? Was that crap too? (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things that was really hard, I think, for the actors on this, I mean for the crew too, but because the weather was so crazy and unpredictable, they had to basically be prepared for an exterior scene and an interior scene. So there was no, like, emotional continuity. So they were ready to, like, do golfy golf stuff Mm -hmm. or do this emotional scene, you know. And and this was a very last-minute change, I remember, because we were supposed to be shooting outside that day. But I think they both did a really good job. Well, that was one of the kind of things is making sure that they knew where they were coming from in the narrative order. Mm-hmm. It because of having to shoot out of out of mm-hmm. context, like okay, emotionally, remember what just happened here. Yeah, but the, you know that's that's an, that's an important thing for um, all directors to remember. Yeah. All right, you know, either if you've never done it before or if you've done it twenty times, because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's easy to where it's easy where to are they in the emotional? It's part of your job actually mm-hmm. is to always keep the actors grounded in uh, the drama of the situation and you know what happened previously, just previous to this, yep. emotionally keeping them on base mm-hmm. of where they're at in the story. And, 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 and they don't have time went, to think about that all the yeah, time. Yeah, and we, and we started this, this whole project being aware, like everybody knew, all right, this is our shoot. Because of mm-hmm. this, we will be shooting out of context. Because So mm-hmm. everybody came on board kind of knowing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that 
we would, you know, I, I would reassure Johnny, okay, well, we're going to take time and go back and see, okay, where were we here and this, that. Yeah. And that was, you know, we all but, knew. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like this was a 27-day shoot, and mm -hmm. we really had to let the locations dictate the schedule right. mm -hmm. for the most part. But, you know, all these guys were total team players, and, and no one really complained about it. But, mm -hmm. you know, maybe one day I'll make a movie where you shoot it in order, but <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> or at least emotional continuity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This song was such a great last-minute find, too. This is Ed Harcourt, and last we really loved it. Too. <laughs> you fixed it. I sit and persevere. <laughs> you fixed it. So, and actually, here, this was right near the house that we shot this, and then we go, you know, to this next next uh, shot that was uh, on an entirely different location. And if you uh, stay till the very, very, very end of the DVD, after the copyright stuff, you'll see some outtakes from this area that are uh, kind of crazy. They said it would down that day about the sign because <laughs> yeah. they painted it right before we started shooting which I was totally pissed about and then they wrote Duckland Highland Bills instead of Ducktown because mm -hmm. we're supposed to be in Ducktown so we had to do like last minute but the paint was still totally wet so we and we didn't have any doubles of Juliet's clothes and stuff so we we're just like please don't get the paint on your clothes but I mean that's what happens low budge but it, it worked out no, but people doing stuff last minute happens big budge too, all right? It's what's so frustrating about it. I have a fantasy it. that it doesn't happen like no, that. No, it's but. what's most frustrating about it. Like, you decided to do that now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll remember how it was. They said it would. This is our getting into our magical realism stuff. Oh, and Look Effects, who did our golf balls, we had such a good experience with them. If you're looking for golf balls or any other visual effects. Parks has actually played a recurring character in uh, uh, my movie movie universe. All right, he's uh, uh, That's Edgar. Oh. Sorry, who owns the house? That's okay. He's Edgar McGraw uh, in uh, *Dust Till Dawn* two, directed by Scott Spiegel, and he re recreates the character Edgar in uh, *Kill Bill* Volume uh, One. And his father played the character Earl McGraw, his father, Texas Ranger Earl McGraw, mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Dust Till Dawn volume, uh, in Dust Till, the first Dust Till Dawn, not volume anything, just Dust Till Dawn, <laughs> and uh, Kill the Volume One. There's sepia out to, so this is the epilogue, notice the about, mm -hmm. same thing in the beginning, I like to keep the time 
we ambiguous. <laughs> this the the guy on the left. Um, we told the casting director we want someone who looks like Freud. <laughs> it, it was so cute. I wish you could see him more. <laughs> but I mean, Sophie's really playing, and she's really playing left-handed. Hmm. Which is, I mean, pretty impressive. And what we got her five guitar lessons or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no, she's pretty impressive yeah. in that. And these were real musician students that mm-hmm. Anastasia Brown, our music supervisor, found who came in and. You know, and I like how, and, and I like how uh, just Sophie's like just vaguely sexier, vaguely more cosmopolitan, Rupert, vaguely more grown yes. up. And she it, has her Martin D forty five with Avalonian Inlet. Yes, which is what she wanted from the very beginning. And, and, and it, she's obviously like flirting with guys and you know living the college life, yeah. even though it's yeah. only high school. But it was so that was such a coup, and I don't think Katrina and I really realized how nervous she was that she was going to be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And she had been we got her some lessons, but then she would practice every night with her mom too. And so when she pulled it off, it was so emotional, and her mom was crying, and we all started. I mean, it was such a sweet moment, you know, and. She worked so hard. Daltrey and Flora really did fall in love. They got married and had my sister. Now this baby okay. behaved it's, perfectly compared to the toddler in the, and, in the and, prologue. And just so you know, it's a real baby because mm-hmm. we did at some point show this uh, film to other filmmakers to get some feedback, and Katrina and showed it to Chris White, yes, <laughs> who thought it was a fake baby. You can't trick me with the rubber baby. <laughs> we were like, that is not a rubber baby. And this this band is actually a local Tennessee um, band, Blue Mother Tupelo. Nashville band doing a, a cover version of Paul Inca's Put Your Head on My Shoulder with a dobro and slide guitar, which I just love. And then we will gradually go into one of my favorite pieces of music in the whole thing. Are we supposed to comment on the people in the comments? You can say, yes. <laughs> well, Armanda, our camera operator, we just finished the uh, end credit music video with her. She shot that. We shot that on Super 16. And if there's anybody you don't Aubrey. like, too, and their name comes up, <laughs> yeah, feel free to, wow. you know, torpedo. Just a kiss goodnight, maybe. You and I will fall in love. People say that love's a game. And our transpo department rocked. The, the, the Teamsters were really, um, they all went to Juliet's show when she played in Nashville. Mm-hmm. The next day, everybody on the crew was wearing um Juliet and the Licks Licks. Uh (laughs) t-shirts. You know, it was very interesting. Look at our kick-ass soundtrack credits. I'm so proud of that. Watching and looking. Holly Williams is a granddaughter of um, Hank Williams, who has a song in Flora's store. So this mashup, Mm -hmm. Wu-Tang and Marty Robbins. um, Thank you to Riza for letting us do it. And for smiling when he heard it. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the, at the premiere. Yeah, that was a moment for me. Yeah. Sitting behind them, like, that was scary. You yeah, know, yeah. I was just going to pass it, the muster. Yeah, <laughs> Katri- yeah, Katrina was sitting directly behind Riza, right? And, you know, yeah. he looked watching happy. Him th- yeah, watching, watching him. Through- him. Well, I wasn't watching the movie. I'm watching them watch the yeah, movie. Yeah, you were actually <laughs> watching him and his sisters, all right, yeah. you know, watch the movie. 
Tomcat's catering rocks. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's making me hungry right now just thinking about it. That was the one thing on low budget movies, no matter how low budget they are, you have to have good food. It's the only thing that keeps people in a good mood. Our special We were thanks. so lucky. Yeah. Our, spe- our special thanks list is probably longer than our credits. That's been <laughs> yeah. rightly Don't so. Don't they say it's always that, inversely proportionate to the budget? Yeah, no, I yeah. just <laughs> I just got back from a... a yeah, I know what you're laughing at right there. No, 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 no. no I just like, got back from a film festival, all right? Oh. <laughs> it's just like every time the thank yous happen, all right, it's like, okay. Yeah. But we did a little teaser for the very end to make people stay, so... So in about 10 minutes, it'll come up when the, when the credits our, are done. Our generous no. product placement <laughs> mm-hmm. here. This next soundtrack on Lakeshore Records. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really eclectic and great soundtrack. It's a terrific soundtrack. This next thing uh, almost gave our DP Matt Irving a heart attack, but this it was, was this hilarious. Is note to self, any directors out there working with Johnny Knoxville in the future, don't whisper chaos in his ear as a direction. <laughs> and then you'll see it the last. Shit. Oh, hell. We had a few minutes right before we lost our light, and we were just telling them to have fun. But then, yes, Katrina said chaos. Not a good idea. This was it. Tap him on the shoulder. That's what you got. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to go make it's peace fun. with your DP. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching our movie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.